Well, good morning. Welcome to Tri-State Community Church. Um, my name is John Juan Snyder. I'm a, uh, I've been a member of this church, Tri-State, for 35 years. I, I'm linked up with Jack in the, the mid-80s, back when I was in college. Brian Mossman and I were, were uh, roommates together in college. And uh, so I'm not one of the pastors here, but I was asked to, to teach this series by the pastors. So um, you're going to be hearing from me over the next three weeks. Um, a little strange with the COVID-19 situation. I'm, I'm teaching to a, an empty auditorium, essentially. I do have my wife and daughter here to, to help support me, I guess, and, and uh, um, a few others. But apart from that, um, you know, empty. Uh, of course, I don't do this a lot anyway, so, um, you know, it's not a whole lot out of the ordinary because I don't do a lot of teaching. Um, nice thing about, about the fact that this is recorded is, is that there's no limit to the time. You know, I don't have to be done by a certain time. Uh, so um, that's kind of nice. So I, I hope you're comfortable. Um, there is an announcement that we, we do want to make, and you've probably seen this already in the email. We are going to be um, resuming services as of next week. We're going to uh, open up the church again. I did want to read a letter that the pastors have drafted. Um, all right. Uh, so, dear Tri-State Community Church, we've decided to resume Sunday services as of May 24th. We're very excited to finally be able to, get, uh, to be together again, and we look forward to it. This is from the pastors. Please be assured, as we said last week, we are committed to making the Tri-State Community Church facilities uh, as safe as possible. We understand there are varied beliefs with regard to the crisis, um, but we ask that each of you be considerate of your brothers and sisters who may desire stricter adherence. Uh, so please consider the following. Uh, first of all, strict and frequent cleaning and sanitation measures will be implemented. Sunday school classes will, will be suspended for the time being. Um, the, uh, the auditorium would be set up to encourage the recommended social distancing of six feet. This is not a time for us to greet one another with a holy kiss. We would ask that you refrain from any sort of embrace or even handshakes at this time. That's going to feel weird, I know. That's going to be a little strange. Obviously, we're not going to require it, but we just ask that. Um, it is strongly suggested that everyone follow the CDC's social distancing recommendations and maintain a minimum distance of six feet between individuals at all times. We would ask that you utilize the hand sanitizer and or wash your hands frequently, and especially following touching any door handles or things. Uh, we ask that you try to refrain from congregating in an area that might make it difficult for others to navigate without violating social distancing. So it may be advisable for us to move through the lobby area rather than stopping to talk with others. You know, we obviously have a tendency to congregate, and, and it's going to difficult to try to avoid that, but we want to make it so that anyone can come through without violating that. So um, if you're experiencing any possible COVID-19 symptoms, or if you have had close contact with anyone that has tested positive uh, for COVID, we ask that you stay home. So 
really on some obvious measures, but you know we're um, we're committed to um, uh, to continuing to to uh, meet together, and, and we're looking forward to that. Um, the letter ends with thank you and may God bless you and your family, Pastors Jack and Brian. So, all right, looking forward to that. It's been kind of hard. So, all right. Um, I want to mention that uh, I've prepared fill-in notes to go with this message like I normally do when I teach. Um, you know, I like, I like being able to do that. I'm kind of a word Nazi, you might say. And so um, I know some of you <laughs> have mentioned that you like that too. So if you, if you haven't downloaded, printed those out yet, um, you can pause the, the video and maybe do that. So I'll be teaching from that. So I'm going to be talking about sustainability. Okay, now that's kind of a, a buzzword these days. You hear people talk about environmental sustainability. You know, even the whole COVID-19 crisis that we're going through, a lot, a lot of states, of course, have been working to open back up again because it's just not sustainable to stay sh shut down. We can't continue to do that. And so, you know, we need to reopen uh, is, is what they're saying. Um, so it's sustainability is can we continue to do this and continue to operate or, or continue to operate well? That's, that's kind of the, the definition of the word. Uh, City of Dubuque is big on sustainability. They actually have a department dedicated to sustainability and environmental and economic and then social areas. Um, the uh, uh, Bee Branch Project is really a part of their sustainability effort. Um, there's a lot of money available to help with sewer overflows. And of course, the Bee Branch Project helped to mitigate flooding of, the, of those areas, those residences. And whenever you have flooding, well, you've got, you know, at least in a residential area, you've got sewers that are overflowing and going to the river. Obviously, that's not a, a good thing. Um, so there's a lot of money available. And that, that project, so far, it's, it's uh, cost, I think, two. Uh, $220 million is what I saw on the website. And of that, more than half came from funding from, from other government sources, $120 million. So a lot of money being spent. It's, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful improvement. You know, they're looking at maybe some economic uh, uh, help, uh, economic stimulus from that, you might say. And so there's economic sustainability there as well. Well, um, what we're going to talk about is what I call uh, sustainable Christianity, kind of a Christian sustainability. Um, I think we, we, we all know of people that have walked with God and have, have fallen away from the church. And, and really this series kind of stems from discussions that I've had with, with believers, kind of guys my age, you know, younger, older, that have walked with God closely and been effective for Christ and been fruitful in their younger years, but now are, are, are somewhat um, not so much. And some of these have, have literally walked away from the church, or um, you know maybe they're still going to church, but they're 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 not doing a lot, or they're or they they believe that they're not effective, or they are aren't aren't effective, that kind of thing. And and uh, you know, in talking with these guys, and we're talking over a number of years, I've noticed some some uh, consistent. Um, uh, aspects in each of them. And so um, what we're going to cover is going to essentially address that. Um, I think we all know of uh, people that, have, that this has happened to. Uh, while I was in college, uh, I remember there was a fella by the name of Robert. That's not his actual name. 
Um, and he was a young Christian man. He, he started uh, in college a, a few years after me. And, um, you know, a vibrant, you know, dynamic Christian guy, kind of a good-looking guy, and, um, you know, raised in the church, and, you know, just had a real excitement about God, and he, and he, and he, um, he had these series that he would teach, and I remember he had one where he talked about, you know, we're, we're moons, and, 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 you know, we're supposed to reflect Christ's light, you know, and it was, you know, and, and, and all the, all the, Girls in the Christian movement, all, you know, giggly and everything, and just love this guy, you know, because he was, you know, anyway. And I, and I remember he had the hugest uh, collection of Christian music. I mean, he just had any and every Christian band that was out there. Uh, I think they were albums at the time. And, uh, you know, just, just a real dynamic, uh, fruitful Christian guy. Um, Yeah, I, I didn't really even know him that well, but I mean, just to think about this is kind of choking me up. So the guy was studying electrical engineering, and, and of course, you know, a lot of people think engineers can make a lot of money. Um, electrical engineers, I think more so than, than most, they, you know, they can command some pretty good money. Well, right around the time when he was graduating, uh, I found out that he had essentially He essentially renounced his faith, stepped away from the Lord altogether. How can that happen? What causes that? You know, the guy's a faithful Christian. He's walking with God. You know, all, all indications, man, just stepped away from the Lord. But it happens, doesn't it? We all know people that have done the same thing. So what causes that? That's what we're going to talk about. So why don't we pray? Dear Father, we do just uh, come before you now and just thank you for your love and mercy and grace. God, we thank you that you are a true God. You are the true God. Thank you that you died for us, God. Thank you that you rose again. We thank you that you desire for us to be faithful and to be fruitful. Thank you that you provide for it. You're there to help. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us today. Speak to me. Speak through me. Speak to the congregation. Um, we also pray that you would bless the other churches in our area, God, that they would be encouraged in you as well. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, the primary question regarding sustainable Christianity is, will you, will I, will we be faithful, these are the fill-in words, faithful and fruitful to the end of our days? Will we be faithful, will, will we be fruitful to the end of our days? Now, it's extremely important to realize this, and that's why I actually printed it in here. This is not about eternity, all right? If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ for eternity, you are forgiven. You are saved for eternity. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit, it says in Ephesians. That's not going to change. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about faithfulness and fruitfulness to the end of our days. All right. Uh, Jesus talked a lot about sustainability in his parables. 
Um, you'll recall in Matthew 5, you know, what does he say? You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. You remember that? He says, if the salt loses its saltiness, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown down and trampled by men. Um, also in Matthew 6, remember, you know, um, store up for yourselves treasures on earth, or do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, or thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and, no, moth and rust do not destroy. You know, he's talking about, about sustainable faith there. Uh, also, we think of uh, the vine and the branches. We heard about this a few weeks ago, Pastor Brian's message, you know. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. You know, what does it say later? It says, every branch that does not bear fruit is cut off, thrown in the fire, and burned. And, and you know, Pastor Brian brought out the fact that, you know, we're talking about Christians, whether we're effective or not. You know, again, this is not about eternity. Well, um, what can keep us from finishing the race? What can keep us from finishing the race? What is it that can get in our way? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to look at two of Jesus' parables more closely, and we're going to identify there are three very specific barriers in there that come out of these um, that can lead to unsustained or unsustain unsustainable faith. So I'll just go ahead and start reading from Mark 4 here. Okay, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then... When tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold or 60-fold and 100-fold. All right, so this is um, the, the parable of the sower. This is actually Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower. He actually gives the parable earlier, and then the disciple is like, what are you talking about? And he says, then he explains it. And so just to save time, I thought we'd just focus on the explanation here. So... We've got four types of soil, right? Soil number one, soil number two, those are, um, uh, you know, beside the road, Satan takes it away. Soil one, soil two, it falls in rocky places, all right? But they receive it with joy, but it says affliction or persecution on account of the word come, and they immediately fall away. And, and I'm going I'm to say that those two soils they haven't come to faith in Christ. So these are, these are people that aren't, aren't Christians. Third soil, of course, is the so soil where the seed is sown with thorns. Okay? And then the fourth soil is the soil sown uh, on, 
the seeds are sown in good soil, they hear the word, accept it, bear fruit. 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. All right? Um, so I want to go back through the verse, and I'd like you to underline a few things, if you would. We'll do a little Bible study here. So um, starting in verse 19, actually just before 19, it says, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, like you underline cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, go ahead and underline deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Let's underline that as well, desires for under other things. They enter in, choke the word, proves unfruitful. So we want to look at those things. Um, First of all, I want to ask you, which soil do you think you are, like right now? Or which, which soil do you think best represents your life? Just kind of t briefly take a look back at your life. Is it, is it a soil that you can look back and you can see fruit 30, 60, 100 times what was sown? Um, well, we're going to look closely at, at what is meant by these thorns. And so um, I mentioned three barriers. Barrier number one, uh, I'm going to call the thorns of worry or distraction. Okay, it says the cares of the world. All right. Uh, other translations render that the concerns or worries of the world. Uh, they also render it concerns, worries, or cares of this age or of this life. Okay, and so you notice I wrote down concerns of this life. I, I like that better because I think it's, it, you know, the, I'm not sure whether it's worry, which of course Jesus says do not worry about your life, you know. Um, why does he say that? Because if we're worrying about things, we're not trusting him. Um, but also it could be just distractions of life. And the reason I don't like the word world there is because I think it could be confused with worldliness or with the world. I don't think that's what he means there. I think he's just talking about concerns of our life, um, cares of this life. And if you look at the original Greek word, um, it could be rendered any one of those ways. So, um, so the first barrier is basically, I'm going to say it's worry or it's just distractions from life, all right? Um, that, can, that can grow up with the word and it can, it can choke the word, make it unfruitful. The second barrier um, I have in here, thorns, and this one is, I'm gonna call worldliness. This one is worldliness. Um, so those are the other two there that we underlined, deceitfulness of riches or the desires for other things. Um, Deceitfulness of riches, I like just render it deceit of riches. And what's interesting about that is, you know, I, I think a lot of us look at that and we think, well, you know, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not deceived by riches. You know, I, sure, I, you know, I, I like to make money and I like to, you know, spend it, and, and, but, but I'm not deceived by riches. Well, the interesting thing about deceit is you don't know when you're deceived. You don't. That's why it's deceit. It's part of the definition. So the deceit of riches, 
uh, I believe affects all of us from time to time and can, affect, and can affect us to a great deal. All right? Um, the desires for other things. Okay, what does he mean by that? Well, the desire for things other than God, other than Christ, other than what God has for us, essentially. So the desire for other things, you can think of a number of things that that could fall into. Um, so to help us understand barrier to worldliness, I just want, I wanted to go to where, where God actually defines the term in 1 John. So I'll just read that. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. All right, so, so this, is, um, this is like the definition of worldliness. And what, what's interesting about the term worldliness is we oftentimes, Christians, we, we use the term to mean, you know, anything that's not Christian, you know, or not sacred. If it's, you know, we've got Christian music, and if it's secular music, we consider that worldly, you know, or, or the movies are worldly, or, you know, other things. And that's not what worldliness is. It's not... Uh, it's not something that's, that's uh, not sacred or not Christian. Worldliness has to do with the self. It has to do with the world system is all about ourselves. And, you know, so the definition there is very clear. We'll just look at some of these. The desires of the flesh. What's he really talking about there? Well, he's talking about pleasures, all right, or experiences. Those are the, the two words that, that I wrote in here, pleasures or experiences. Um, so we're talking about, you know, maybe um, vacations, you know, experiences. Um, you know, and what's interesting is these are, are not necessarily bad in and of themselves. Really where, where it becomes a problem is when they become our pursuit, when we set aside God in order to pursue these things, all right? Um, you know, obviously vacations are good. We thank the Lord for them. We enjoy him. God, God loves us. It says in, in uh, first, first Timothy 6 that God blesses us with everything for our enjoyment. You know, God wants us to enjoy his creation and, and the creation of his creation. Um, but when it becomes something that we pursue, when we set aside what God has for us, then it becomes a problem. Um, addictions come from this, you know, the pleasures, desire for pleasures, desire of the flesh. Um, you know, you, you got to have that fix. You got to have that pleasure, and it can turn into an addiction over time. A lot of destruction can come from these things. All right, um, the next one, desires of the eyes. What's that? Well, that's uh, dealing with possessions or um, uh, material things. Those are the fill in the blanks there possessions or material things. Okay, it's the desire to own things, you know. If I could just get enough money, then I can buy this or buy that. Um, you know, again, in and of itself, we're not talking about evil, but when that becomes our pursuit, when we set the Lord aside uh, to do these things, then it becomes a problem. Last one, the pride of life. And there's obviously some overlap with some of these. Pride of life, the words I have there are popularity or importance. Okay, I, I did have the word achievement there, 
because I think sometimes those can become an idol. I want to achieve this, achieve that. Um, but really, I think the purpose of achievements is so that we can get that, that sense of importance. Um, you know, it's a desire to impress people with what we own, you know, with who we are, with what we do. Um, you know, I think oftentimes athletes struggle with this, um, maybe more so, um, musicians. Um, but really, we all struggle with this. This is, this is, this is all of us here. Um, you know, an example might be, um, you know, I, you know we, we make poor decisions based on some of these things. You know, I, I can afford a 15-year-old Toyota, but I'm driving a two-year-old Lexus, you know. Um, you know, what's driving that? Well, it may be that sense of importance. I want to appear more important kind of thing. Uh, that's what worldliness is. It's based on self, based on, on selfishness, essentially. Um, again, these aren't wrong in and of themselves, but when we set aside God or what God has for us uh, um, to pursue these things, that's what we're talking about. Um, so you might think, well, you know, whatever, what's the big deal? This, is, this isn't that big a deal, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a murderer. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not committing adultery or anything or stealing, you know. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not even using porn or anything, you know. This is, this is just, you know, I'm, I'm sure I want to I wanna have a, a nice car so that I can impress people, you know. Well, here's what God says about it. It's very interesting. In, in James chapter 4, what does he say? He says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity toward God? Anyone that desires to be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. That's what God says about worldliness. So do you think that's serious? Do you think that's important? It's hugely important. And, and I think what you'll see is it's, it's a big part of the reason why people fall away. They're deceived. There's the deceit of riches, all right? The desire for things other than God. So these are things that we need to take note of and we need to uh, take very seriously. Um, you know, I think of my own life. Um, I remember uh, in my younger um, uh, working days, I worked for a company and they, and they had this um, uh, policy where they would kind of recognize people for certain achievements, you know, and they put your picture in the paper, the TH, you know, and I used to read that and read about all the, the business executives and the, the successes they have. And well, I achieved this certain thing, and, 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 I, and I knew that because I achieved that, this company was going to put my picture in the paper. And so I just remember looking for that picture in the paper, and I just, I just so wanted my picture in the paper so people would see that, you know. And, and I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it, was, it was self, I was wanting to be, you know, important kind of thing. And, and I love what the Lord did here. It never appeared. <laughs> never appeared. That happened twice in my career where, where um, I was achieving something and, and I was going to get my picture in the paper. And both times it didn't appear. I think God was working on me. He was working in, in the area of pride versus humility there. And um, very interesting. For me, um, cars are a big deal. I think anyone that knows me very closely, I, I love cars. I love um, uh, awesome looking cars. Um, in high school, I wanted to have a, a, a K5 Blazer, big four-wheel drive, jacked up with big tires on it, you know. 
Um, it was, I think, one of the older kids when I was a freshman had one, and I remember thinking, that's me, I want to be there, you know. And I, I didn't have the discipline to make the money and save and do it, so I never did, but, but, um, but that, cars have always been a big deal with me, and, I, and I, I still struggle with that, actually. I struggle with a lot of these things. Um, yeah. Well, theologians have a word, another word to describe this, and uh, you'll notice I left a nice big long blank there for it. Um, so uh, you might want to write small to, to fit it in here. The word is sin. The word is sin. You know, at the heart of every sin really is a questioning of God's character. I think oftentimes we get confused because when we think of the word sin, we think of, you know, again, adultery or... or um, uh, you know, theft, stealing, you know, murder, that kind of thing, or, or pornography or lust, you know, uh, gossip. We, we think of these specific sins, um, but at the heart of every sin is really a, a questioning of the character of God, the goodness of God. You know, think of Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, and what did the serpent say? Hath God really said this? You know, and he was using deception there, but he was questioning the goodness of God. You know, God had provided all these wonderful things, be able to walk with God, you know, paradise for Adam and Eve. I mean, incredible, amazing things we cannot even imagine. Uh, we're going to be there again someday, by the way, when the Lord uh, comes back. But, um, you know, uh, um, that's, that's what was happening there. You know, they were questioning, you know, wait a minute, I think God's holding out on me. I think maybe there's, there's something better here, you know, that, that tree. Um, that's what every sin is, really. Anything that we do, we're, we're deciding we want to do what we want to do, and we're going to kind of set aside what God has for us, and we're going to do this or do that. Um, at the heart of every sin, really, is, is that worldly, worldly pull. Um, all right, so moving on to the second page at the top. Okay, so these thorns, here's what's interesting about that. If you look again at the verse... They enter in. So go back to the scripture there, verse 19, it says, But the cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, enter in. And I'd like you to put a box around, enter in. Um, you know, because I think somebody could look at this and think, well, you know, that's not me. I, I, when I received the Lord, I received him on good soil. I went hard for God. Uh, these thorns can enter into our lives at any time. It's not just something planted at the beginning. And so they do. They enter in. And, and you know, again, the, the people I described, sometimes I think that has happened or can happen. All right? Um, also, it says that they choke the word. All right? So the thorns, the thorns of, of worry, distraction, worldliness, they enter in and they choke the word. And so, essentially, what we're talking about there is, you know, obviously we, we may be reading the Bible, we may be going to church, hearing the Word, listening to teachings, whatever, but I think we, we could be distracted by so many other things in life and maybe neglect the Word or neglect a, a time to meditate on the Word or to, to sit with the Lord, spend time with God. Um, and certainly, uh, so worry, distraction, certainly worldliness, and sin can, can get in the way. And our pursuit for, again, these things, pleasures, uh, experiences, possessions, um, you know, importance, they can get in the way. And they can choke the word. So the word's 
And then what's the result? So I did want you to put a box around choke the word, if you would. So box around enter in, box around choke the word. And then circle, it proves unfaithful. So the result from all this is, is not that, you know, we're going to lose our salvation or anything like that. It's, it, it, and again, these sins, you know, they, they maybe not, don't seem that important, but, you know, we're talking about setting the Lord aside, setting aside what he wants. Um, and the result is we're unfruitful. We become unfruitful. Um, this is extremely easy to do in America, all right? It's extremely easy to be a Christian, to come to church every Sunday, um, you know, do the Christian things in your life, but yet actually live a worldly life, actually um, be more, more focused on accumulating things, more focused on, uh, you know, vacations, more focused on achieving some sort of importance. Extremely easy to do in America, to, to live the Christian life and, and actually live a worldly Christian life and not be fruitful, not be effective. So um, that's what we're talking about here. So again, the comparison, you know, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown or unfruitful. All right. Okay. So... Um, one thing I wanted to share related to those two things, Hebrews 12, this kind of reminds me of the verse in Hebrews 12 where it says, um, uh, let's see, where it says, um, uh, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. He's, he's identifying two different things. Throw off everything that hinders, okay, that's not sin, and the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the, marked out for us, the race marked out for us. Um, so that's what God's calling us to do. Um, and, and again, I, I don't want you to think this is a, about, about a guilt trip. I don't want you to feel guilty. The truth of the matter is we're all there from time to time. Um, every one of us. Every one of us is there at times. Uh, the question is, are we there more? than in the other soil, or less? And I think that's kind of what we're talking about. All right, I'm not sure how much time I have, but again, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter, right? Um, barrier number three is unpreparedness for trials and difficulties. And I'll just read this. Um, you notice this is the, the parable of the two builders. And what's interesting about this is, you know, Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, um, you know, three chapters in Matthew, um, you know, it's regarded as some of the most incredible, wise teaching ever. I think Gandhi patterned his life after a lot of the things that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, Jesus ends that whole sermon with this very parable. It's the last thing he says, and I think that's significant. So I'll just read it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. 
And I, and I think what Jesus is telling us here is, is that trials and difficulties are a part of life, and we need to be ready for them. You know, it's a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. And it's a false theology. There's theology out there that says if you, if you live the Christian life, if you read your Bible every day, go to church, if you, you, know, you know, give to the poor, if you do all these things, life will be magical for you. It'll be wonderful. You don't have to worry about cancer. You don't have to worry about it's garbage. It's garbage. It is a fallen world. Um, bad things do happen to good people. People lose their jobs. People lose their houses. Babies die. Babies are born too early and they die. It happens. Cancer happens. Divorce happens. People decide it's time to leave. Business partners will, will uh, betray business partners. Um, we're going to lose loved ones. Bad things happen. They do happen. And we need to be ready for them. If we're not ready, we're in danger of not having a sustained faith. And I think all of us know people, Christians, that that was the reason they walked away. Something happened. I should have brought some Kleenex up here with me. Anyway. It's true. It's true. They happen. We need to be ready for them. Okay. So. Notice I have my Yeti here. Just sense of importance there. You got to have the best, right? Sorry. All right. Um, <clears throat> next question. What can help us to finish the race and to finish it well? Okay, so we'll go through this rather quickly. Um, we need to have two specific goals in our life. All right, we have, to, we have to each come to decide that we have two specific goals. All right, back to Jesus' parables. Let's look again at the parable of the sower. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, underline that, and accept it, underline that, and bear fruit. Go ahead and put a box around that. They bear fruit. And then I want you to circle 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. All right? Sustainable faith, here's the word, accepts it, and this one's pretty easy. You probably have it in there already. Bears fruit. So the fill in there is sustainable faith bears fruit. All right? Um, so our goals, goal number one, I must become, you must become, we must become, and the word there that I have there, it's a sustainability term, reproductive Christians. We must become reproductive Christians. Jesus is calling us to bear fruit. All right? Um, there are essentially two types of fruit. Uh, we all know about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and I'll just list it. Excuse me. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, these, are, these are characteristics, character qualities like Christ. God wants us to become like Christ. And we're not talking about studying these and learning to do them, learning to act more loving, to act more gentle, to act more um, uh, faithful. We're talking about fruit of the Spirit. These are things that God works into our lives. All right? They're things that we become. As we walk with Christ, we become more like him. All right? That's what we're talking about. Fruit built up into our lives. I also have the verse from Romans there. Um, the verse right before that, Romans 8.28, of course, is the one that says, uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who, who, who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Well, verse 29 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So this is, this is his goal for us to become conformed to the image of his son. And again, he's going to work that into our lives. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. The second type of fruit is the fruit of good works. So these are lives affected for Christ. Um, the Matthew 5 there, alluded to it earlier, he says, you are the light of the world. You know, what does he say? Uh, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works. Why? There's a purpose. Glorify your Father in heaven. So he wants us to be uh, uh, fruitful Christians. He wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of good works. Uh, another verse there on, on the good works, Ephesians 2.10. Um, it's one of Tiana's memory verses. Do you want to quote it for us, Tiana? No? Um, that's the one where he says, For we are God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Is that important? Is that important to God? Us being involved in good works? It's why we're here. Um, as Christians, if we were here to simply worship God, you know, or, or uh, enjoy, enjoy fellowship with other Christians, you know, if that's why God left us here, um, he would have taken us to heaven, don't you think? Because we could do it much better there. No, he left us here to bear fruit. And, you know, Pastor Brian talked a few weeks ago, much fruit, fruit that will last. We're talking about lasting fruit here. Um, so I mentioned the word reproductive. So we want to be reproductive Christians. I always think of the verse in 2 Timothy 2.2. What does it say? Paul says, And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to reliable men who will be able to teach others as well. We're talking about four generations of reproduction there, right? Paul, talking to the readers, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you want you entrust them to reliable men, that's the third generation, who will also be able to teach others as well. Fourth generation, reproductive Christians. God wants us to be uh, producing a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. All right, so that's goal number one. We want to become reproductive Christians. Um, we're going to talk about goal number two here, and I'll just read from you know, back again from the, the parable of the two builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine... Go ahead and underline that. And acts on them, 
underline that. You probably did that already, but this is another printing of it. Maybe compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rains fell, underline that, rains fell. Floods came, underline that. Winds blew, underline that. And slammed against that house, underline that too. We're underlining the whole verse, aren't we? <laughs> um, and yet it did not fall. I want you to put a circle around that. That's the goal. We don't want our house to fall. Why did it not fall? For it had been founded on the rock. Put a box around that. Founded on the rock. Um, so sustainable faith, here's the word, acts on it, and is, and the word there is, the words there are, is prepared for trials and difficulties. Uh, sustainable faith is prepared for trials and difficulties. All right. So, I said goal number one is to be a reprodu reproductive Christian. Goal number two, another R word, another sustainability term. We want to be resilient Christians. We want, you know, resilience. You think of a rubber band, you know, uh, being able to bounce back. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of what the, the Bee Branch Project was about, resilience. You know, sure, we get a flood, it comes through, but we can bounce back more quickly. Um, all right, so we've got those two goals. And, and so I want each and every one of you to think about these things. Think about those goals. I want you to pray about those goals. And I want you to, um, to decide to pursue them as goals. Um, because we're talking about sustainable faith, sustainable Christianity. Um, so not only will the result be that we could, we could have a more sustainable faith, but part of that is, again, the fruit of the Spirit. And I think of the first three, love, joy, peace. In a sense, those are some of the benefits, you might say, of the fruit of the Spirit. More love, more joy, more peace. Um, we're talking about the abundant life, you know, more uh, fulfillment, you know, purpose for our lives. That's, that's what we're talking about. So the question here, how can we have this kind of sustainable faith? Um, how can we accomplish these two goals? What, what do we need to do? to get there. So, okay, great. We've got these goals. I want to be reproductive. I want to be resilient. How do I get there? And that's what we're going to talk about in the coming weeks, uh, two weeks. Um, I believe it starts with getting to know our Father's actual, and the words here are value system, over what we think is what we think it is. Getting to know God's economy over our own. So the words there are, we want to know the Father's actual value system. We want to know his economy over our own. That's where it starts. So I'd like you, to invite you to come back um, next week. And of course, you'll be coming into the sanctuary next week, hopefully. We are still going to uh, record messages. We are still going to make them available. Uh, so obviously, if you do not feel comfortable coming back to church, please know that you're welcome to uh, postpone that for a while, obviously. So, and, and obviously, you know, it's, you, know, you can come if you want or not, you know. So um, let's pray. Dear God, we, um, we just thank you so much for your love and grace and mercy. Uh, I confess I have no idea whether I've gone long or not, 
um, uh, I, I appreciate the grace of, of, uh, of the church if I have gone long. Um, God, we thank you for, for your part in our lives, God. I thank you that you love us so much, God, and that you have so much for us, God. And you do. You bless us with everything for our enjoyment, God. But I know it's easy for us to, to set you aside and to pursue these other things. Lord, it's easy for us to pursue worldly things, to be worldly. It's easy for us to even just be distracted. Um, and I know, um, I know we need to be prepared for the trials. They come. Uh, many of us are there already or have been there. I think of this current crisis. You know, many people are going through it right now. We need to be ready. Father, I pray that each one of us would think about these things, think about the goals, and, um, and decide to, to set them as goals. Lord, you made it very clear. You want us to be productive, reproductive Christians. You said, good soil, bearing a crop, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. That's what you want. You know, good works that you prepared in advance. Father, help us to set it a goal for us to be reproductive Christians. Lord, help us to set it as a goal to be resilient Christians. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you next week. God bless.